What's going on, everybody? My name is Jeremy Cole, and I want to welcome you to the seventh official episode of the J. Cole Sports Talk podcast. And today, I want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. I mean, we're a week removed from it, and I apologize for not uploading a Super Bowl recap last week, but I had a very stressful and hectic week, and I just couldn't get around to uploading and recording. So today, I'm going to touch on the Super Bowl a little bit, and then I also want to talk about kind of the two biggest things that happened this weekend in sports. And that being, you know, NBA All-Star Weekend, and then also a little conflict, you could say, I guess, in the Big Ten in men's basketball. And we'll touch on those two things, but I want to start with the Super Bowl. And, you know, I thought it was a good game. Honestly, I thought it was a little bit underwhelming, especially after, you know, an incredible playoffs, probably the best year of NFL playoffs in history, or at least that I can remember. But I thought the Super Bowl was a little bit of a little dirty game. You know, offenses were struggling early on or kind of in the midway point. There was a lot of time where no no team could really get anything going. Um, and I don't know if that was a testament to both teams' defenses playing well or the lack of offensive production or whatever it was. But, you know, in the end, Rams ended up winning by a field goal. They had that game-winning drive late in the game. You know, a massive, whatever it was, 13, 18 plays, something extremely, extremely long, grinded it out and won the game. And, you know, all in all, I kind of saw or I kind of, you know, what happened and what went down is kind of how I expected it to go. You know, the Rams came out and looked pretty damn strong. Um, Odell was exposing the Bengals defense, especially because he was lining up on the outside in one-on-one coverage because they were double teaming Cooper Cup and he had an incredible first half. He did go down with that serious knee injury, and that took the wind out of the Rams' sails completely. It was huge, huge, huge loss for them on offense, and you know he was the best player on offense up to that point until his injury, and the Rams kind of went straight downhill from there until the very you know late in the game where they had that long drive that I said they pieced together. But you know Stafford looked pretty damn good. Um, you know he did have two interceptions. Not the worst performance in the world by him. I thought, you know, that one interception where he hucked it way downfield and it was, you know, intercepted in the end zone wasn't the biggest play in the world. At first, I was a little bit, you know, shocked or whatever by it, but they were going to punt on the next down anyways. It was third and long and they were kind of on their own, whatever, midfield or on their own side of the field. And it didn't really matter. It just gave them fine field position for Cincinnati. And it didn't really matter. I don't think you could have really asked for a whole lot more for Matt Stafford, especially at the end. He was making some tough throws. I loved that replay of kind of the no-look sidearm a little bit from Stafford, but he looked off the safety perfectly. And from the angle of, you know, the defense looking right in on Stafford, you could see his eyes move to one side of the field. Safety moves directly across, and then he immediately hits Cooper Cup right when that safety gets out of position and can't guard him. Uh, Stafford, you know, all in all had a great game. Um, you, there was not a whole lot you could have wanted him more to do, I guess. And, you know, Joe Burrow on the other side of the ball for Cincinnati, he had a good game too. You know, I don't think he underperformed or overperformed. Stafford definitely outplayed him, but not to a crazy extent. And Burrow didn't really look bad either. Um, you know, I would say at the very end of the game, or at least the second half, 
you know, it really came down to the Rams defensive line, just making their presence felt and stopping Burrow from being able to make completions because he just didn't have the time. And Burrow actually did a great, great job in the first half at getting the ball out quickly. He, you know, almost every single play was getting the ball with that or getting the ball out of his hands within a second or two, making quick plays, taking what the defense was giving him, which is something that Matt Stafford was also doing, kind of dumping the ball off to Daryl Henderson a couple times. He had, a, you know, multiple big catches and, you know, both of them were executing very well, but you know, at the end of the day, it just came down to the Rams defensive line taking over the game in the second half. And that's, you know, pretty much what I touched on, you know, two weeks ago when I gave my Super Bowl preview, the biggest key for the Bengals was protecting Joe Burrow and stopping the Rams defensive line. And at the end of the day, down the stretch, they couldn't do it. And, you know, the one other thing I really wanted to touch on about the Bengals is as much as they couldn't protect Burrow down the stretch and in the fourth quarter, the Bengals also had, you know, I believe four chances at, you know, getting that last first down before that Aaron Donald play to, you know, seal the game. But the Bengals really, I believe they had two or three plays to get, you know, just a few yards and they weren't able to execute and they weren't able to get any yards. So, you know, I don't know if that's Zach Taylor's, you know, mistakes or if that's just a testament to the defensive line of the Rams being just so incredible, you know, at the end of the game down the stretch. But, you know, I really didn't love what I saw by or by the Bengals down the stretch. But Aaron Donald, you know, he showed up and he showed why he's the best defensive player in the league and one of the best defensive players ever. And I was very happy for him to get a, you know, he finally gets a ring. And it's kind of the last thing he needs in his trophy case. Matt Stafford, it's awesome that he got a ring. And, you know, the other thing I will say is I'm happy that Odell has a ring. I think, you know, he gets a lot of whatever you want to call it, a lot of criticism and I guess you could almost hate from media and from fans for kind of being that prima donna you know he's more of a celebrity or whatever than he is a football player blah 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 but you know he really showed up and he had 52 yards and a touchdown with only two catches and this was only in half the game so he was the best player for the Rams in the first half you know undoubtedly it wasn't even close and the Rams' running game was atrocious. I mean, Cam Akers had 13 carries for 21 yards. Thank God down the stretch, the Rams just finally abandoned the run and forced the ball into Cooper Cup's hands. And I was sitting there just like on the final drive, almost getting angry, even though I'm not even a Rams fan, getting angry at Sean McVay and the Rams' offense for not just forcing the ball into Cooper Cup's hands because no one else on their team was making plays. Their running backs weren't doing anything. Their, you know, backup receivers that had to fill in for Odell weren't doing anything, and they ended up dropping a pass that caused an interception for the Bengals, and they just had to get their man going in Cooper Cup, and they did that on the final drive, and Cooper Cup did win the MVP, you know, he deserves the MVP for his performance this entire season, and when he, you know, he showed up when they needed him most at the end of the game, but... I think Aaron Donald was the more important player for the Rams in this game. And, you know, Cooper Cup only became that important of a player, I believe, because Odell went down. And if Odell didn't go down, I think this game would have been pretty different in terms of the Rams kind of, you know, lighting it up a little bit more, especially in the second and third quarters. The Rams really couldn't get anything going. I mean, they had a touchdown in the first, second, and fourth quarter. But the third quarter, they only got that field goal. And, you know, that mixture, extra, or sorry, excuse me, mixed extra point kind of hurt them a little bit in the end. Um, 
and because it left it at a three-point game rather than a four-point game. So the Bengals could have just gone downfield and kicked a field goal to tie rather than needing to get into the end zone, and that would have completely changed the game. You know, very, very interesting. Tyler Boyd has that one massive drop, and it's like his only drop the entire NFL season, and he has a huge drop late in the game where they were trying to get a first down. You know, super inopportune time for that to happen. The Bengals did a decent job at stopping the Rams on third down. They didn't have that great of a conversion rate. Um, But then the Rams... You know, they did what they really needed to do on defense. I thought Jalen Ramsey had a pretty subpar game, actually. You know, he got exposed a little bit by Jamar Chase on that insane catch by Jamar Chase, that one-handed catch down the sideline. But then later in the game, too, there were some replays that kind of surfaced of Jalen Ramsey kind of getting burned, but he was saved by the defensive line, just getting to Burrow before Burrow could even get the ball out. And so, you know, I wasn't that, you know, whatever, satisfied with how Jalen Ramsey performed in this game. He did have that one massive defensive play in the end zone to stop a touchdown. I will give him credit for that. That was great. But all in all, he had a pretty subpar performance, and I didn't really love what he did there. Um, You know, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard had great games. That's exactly what I expected them to do. They both had sacks, I believe. And, or sorry, no, Hubbard did not have a sack, but he had multiple tackles for loss. And was, you know, second on their team in total tackles. So he had a great, he had a, you know, both of them had great games, but the Rams did a good job at protecting Stafford. Stafford really didn't face too much pressure and he looked confident. He didn't make too many questionable passes either. Um, And, you know, all in all, it was just a pretty well-executed game by the Rams, besides the fact that the injuries started to mount with Odell, because if they also had Tyler Higby playing, the injury to Odell wouldn't have been that big of a deal, but without Tyler Higby, they then lose their second and third, you know, most important people on their offense in Odell and Tyler Higby that aren't playing for this game. So then they have to rely on people like Kendall Blanton, like uh, Skoranek, and, you know, I can't remember who the other uh, receiver was that I believe it could have been Skoranek that dropped the pass that turned into that interception. Um but, you know, Van Jefferson didn't make that big of an, uh, an impact. He only had four catches for 23 yards. Um, and it was really just Cooper Cup. I mean, no one had more than, f- I mean, four catches, I guess, on the entire team besides Van Jefferson. And then also Bryson Hopkins, who kind of stepped in. And, you know, I had never heard of this guy before, but he made some massive plays for the Rams when they needed him. Um, and then Odell had two catches and then Cooper Cup had eight. So it's not like the ball was... You know, not a ton of people were really catching the ball, and both running backs had three receptions too. So I did like how Matt Stafford got the ball out to them out of the backfield. They, you know, he was taking what the defense was giving him, which were those small little plays, because both defenses were trying to play pretty conservatively against, you know, very two high powered, explosive, big play offenses. And it makes sense. And, you know, both teams executed their game plans fairly well. But at the end of the day, it just came back or came down to the fact that the Rams defensive line was just too good and too talented and too dominant to be stopped by a very, very subpar Bengals offensive line at the end of the day. And I wouldn't even put this loss up to like, you know, Joe Burrow's performances up to the coaching performance, nothing like that. You know, it just it's kind of what I expected to have happen. And the Bengals, all in all, if they have a better offensive line, I think this is an incredibly different game. And if they have a decent, if Joe Burrow is on a team with a decent offensive line, that team is immediately a scary, scary opponent to go against because Burrow has shown he is a 
scary quarterback and can lead his team to victory against the best of opponents like we saw against Kansas City. And, you know, Cincinnati knows their one thing that they have to improve is their offensive line. The Rams, we'll see what happens this offseason if, you know, Donald retires, if they're able to bring back other guys. You know, I saw Aaron Donald said he would run it back if they're able to re-sign Von Miller, if I believe, you know, Odell comes back too. Um, I'm not too sure what Stafford's situation is either, but I know the Rams are just kind of celebrating and enjoying their Super Bowl right now, and, you know, kudos to them. They definitely should. But, you know, all in all, it was a good Super Bowl. I, I thought it was good. Um, it was a little underwhelming after such an incredible playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl. But I'm just so glad at the end of the game, it was it was just a tight game. Um, and I was on the edge of my seat for the whole fourth quarter. And that's what really matters. So, you know, I'm glad that this was a tight game rather than a blowout. It would have been no fun if the Rams blew them out or the Bengals had blown them out for that, you know, for that matter. So, you know. That's pretty much all I really have to say about the Super Bowl. There's not a whole lot I feel like that needs to be said. And, you know, Cooper Cup showing up in the late in the game, as well as the Rams defensive line showing up in the second half. And that's really the, you know, the crux or whatever it is, you know, the main storyline of the game. It was just a tight game throughout. Both offenses were struggling a little bit. You know, Odell going down was tough for them. Then Cincinnati, they just started to struggle because of, you know, a big drop pass. But then the Rams defensive line kind of showing up in the second half and or really after, you know, second half of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter. But, you know, I, I just have to chalk this one up to the Rams defensive line all in all. And, you know, that's all really I have to say about the Super Bowl. And a week later, I've processed most of my thoughts and what I thought about it. And it was just it was a good game. It wasn't as exciting or whatever as I maybe was expecting it. But, you know, it had some highlight plays. It had big defensive plays, you know, crunch time. Everything you really wanted to see in a Super Bowl, you got in that Super Bowl. It was just the first, whatever, three quarters were a little bit underwhelming for how great of a playoffs we had seen and then also how great of an offense these two teams have. Neither team was really lighting it up. But there was a chance, you know, there was one time where I thought the Rams could have blown the game open, also Cincinnati too. But it was actually that, uh, that sequence for Cincinnati with that interception um, but then Aaron Donald had a huge play to force them to kick a field goal instead of getting two touchdowns simultaneously, you know, especially off after that ex massive penalty miss on uh, T. Higgins on Jalen Ramsey that we saw. Um, because following that play, Matt Stafford then threw an interception, which was that tipped ball. But Aaron Donald, a huge defensive play to force them to kick a field goal. So it stayed a close game. Um, and then the Rams kind of, you know, I saw that they had some momentum going in the first half, but then Odell's injury really messed them up um, and they couldn't get anything going for pretty much the entire rest of the game until that final drive in the fourth quarter. So I'm kind of just glad that the Rams were able to, you know, handle those injuries and come out with a win. I do feel bad for the Bengals and Joe Burrow, but I know this is not the last we will see of them. So I'm very excited for next season. The Bengals, you know, that is a team to watch over the next five to 10 years for as long as Joe Burrow is on that roster the Bengals will be an exciting team to watch. So, you know, with that, I'm kind of moving on from the Super Bowl all in, and almost football as a whole. I'll maybe touch on some more football information in my next podcast or the next one after, especially with all the free agent stuff coming up. There's a lot of shifting that could happen. Um, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, you got Russell Wilson, a lot of big quarterbacks that no one really knows what's going to happen to them. And they could join new teams. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. If something exciting happens, I'll definitely, you know, 
make a point to bring it up. So moving on from NFL for now, I want to talk about NBA All-Star Weekend because, you know, there were some good things and some really bad things about this NBA All-Star Weekend. You know, I'm not going to touch on some of the insignificant things like whatever, the celebrity game or blah, blah, blah. I thought the skills challenges were actually pretty good. They were a little bit more challenging than I feel like I remember seeing in past years. They changed up the format and everything. So, you know, there were teams, you know, when they had their, you know, the, the Antetokounmpo's versus the the Cavs um, versus like the Youngin, like the Rising Stars, those, you know, the teams of three, they were actually struggling to finish the challenge and they weren't able to do the, you know, dribble down, hit the shot, dunk, dribble back down, make a shot, give it off to the other guy and like kind of the relay of it. Teams were struggling to get that done. So it was pretty entertaining to watch actually. But, you know, the highlight of the weekend undoubtedly was the three-point contest. And it was one of the best three-point contests I can remember. You know, I looked at the roster of it before it started and I thought there were just, you know, it was kind of a stacked three-point contest. Um, I'm happy my boy Luke Kennard of the Clippers, you know, he's having a great season, especially his three-point shooting percentage is insane right now. I think it's like 46 or 47% for the year. Um, He had a great, you know, round one and made the finals too. I was not surprised at all that Trey Young made the finals. He probably is the best, whatever, three-point shooter that was in the competition, just in terms of, you know, looking at his career or whatever, who he is. You know, Trey Young is a three-point machine. And I was surprised, but not I was pleasantly surprised, but not shocked to see that Carl Anthony Towns, that cat, made the finals, and I was very happy to see that he won. He put on a show in his final round, and I believe he had a 29 or a 28 in his final round and was very close to a plus 30 score, um, but that was really exciting to see. I love seeing like a big man, someone that you're not really expecting to win a contest like that, come out victorious, so that was really, really cool, but it was it was competitive. It was exciting. You know, The crowd was really into it. And the last thing I'll say is I'm happy that the NBA allowed Cat to wear a chain. I don't know if anyone really noticed that, but, you know, normally players aren't allowed to wear jewelry when they're playing in a competition or a game. Um, And so no one else was wearing any jewelry of any sort in the three-point contest. But the NBA approved Carl Anthony Towns to wear his mom's gold necklace in the contest. And I thought that was a really you know, nice, wholesome moment, especially after, you know, hearing everything that Carl Anthony Towns has went through, you know, due to COVID, losing numerous family members and his mom. Um, That was something that, you know, I gained a little bit of respect for the NBA and thought that they made a good move there. And I was just happy to see that. Um, But all in all, the three-point contest was just, it was, it was great. Um, And it was probably the highlight of the weekend because after the three-point contest, there was a pretty insane, like, halftime show. You know, DJ Khaled brought out some insane performers and rappers, um, and that was kind of cool, actually. But following that performance, the dunk contest was, you know, honestly one of the worst I've seen in years. And I don't know if it's because the NBA chose the wrong, like, you know, players to do it. You know, Obi Toppin, I know, is a good in-game dunker. Um, Jalen Green has shown he's got some hops and can dunk. Cole Anthony, I never really thought was a dunker. And then Juan Toscano Anderson, I just never realized that he was, you know, of dunking caliber to be in an all or a dunk contest. Um, and, you know, they it was really disappointing. There were so many missed dunks and there honestly weren't very many dunks that, you know, got me out of my seat or in my jaw hit the floor. And 
there were some impressive dunks, but nothing that I felt was just like, you know, very memorable, I guess. There's not a dunk I will really remember from this year's All-Star, or sorry, dunk contest. And, you know, social media lit up the dunk contest. I've seen sports analysts all of today uh, light up the dunk contest as just being atrocious. And, you know, I thought it was really bad. I didn't think it was awful, awful, whatever. But I did not enjoy it, really. Um, And, you know, I kind of lost interest when I was watching it, too. I didn't really watch too closely. And, you know, I think the NBA has to kind of reevaluate how they look into the dunk contest and who does the dunk contest. I think next year we need to see like Ja Morant. We need to see Zion if he's healthy. Um, you know, Obi was was good. I like him. He's a good in-game dunker too. But, you know, he didn't do anything too crazy that he couldn't have done in-game, for example. So all in all, I just didn't really like the dunk contest. And I know everyone, like, you know, social media and the mass or general public didn't really enjoy it either. And the All-Star game itself on, you know, yesterday on Sunday, I thought it was good. Um, it's it's pretty entertaining. I like the Elam ending format that they changed however many years ago. It makes, you know, they're much more intense at the very end. Rather than the clock ticking down on them, it's who wins the game, right? It's who gets to that target score first. And I think that adds a very interesting competitive dynamic towards the end. You know, I loved LeBron hitting the game winner in Cleveland or whatever. You know, that was kind of whatever, fun to see Steph lit up the field with, I believe, 16 three-pointers and 50 points. I think both of them were all-star records. I know the 16-point or three-pointers is definitely an all-star record, but, you know, it was very entertaining, and ironically, I thought some of the dunks in the all-star game were better than the dunks in the dunk contest, and, you know, we saw the 360 alley-oop to jaw. That was pretty money. Um... And then there were just multiple other dunks that were just just as impressive as dunks in the dunk contest. So, you know, the All-Star game kind of made the dunk contest look even worse. But all in all, I like the All-Star game a lot. You know, I really like how they've changed the format over the past couple of years and all of that. It's been great changes. And, you know, all in all, I'm very, I was very, whatever, satisfied with the dunk contest. Or sorry, not dunk contest, the All-Star game. I wasn't blown away, you know, you know, I I think in recent years, we've seen some more exciting endings and a little bit more competitive endings where you see the players really start to get competitive and play hard. And that's something that is super fun to watch. But, you know, down the stretch at the end of this year's game, it definitely got more competitive and was just exciting to see. Um, And I'm glad we got whatever, you know, an exciting game winner. And Team LeBron is now 5-0, and interestingly, in All-Star games with the All-Star draft format. Um, so maybe next year, he'll definitely be a captain again. You know how that works with LeBron. So maybe bet on his team, or maybe he's just a good drafter. I'm not too sure. Um, but all in all, NBA All-Star weekend was pretty solid. But it just, it wasn't great. Um, it wasn't great, and having the highlight of it be the three-point contest, I don't think is the greatest look for the NBA, and I think they need to reevaluate a little bit, maybe choose some bigger profile players or just better dunkers or whatever it might be. Um, And then we also saw changing topics a little bit, um, not about this weekend, but on the all-star topic, the NHL all-star game was a couple weeks back and it was pretty interesting. I actually, I really like the three on three tournament kind of format they do for it. And the skills challenges are very cool and unique in the NHL, but you know, All-Star as a whole, when we talk about kind of the All-Star games for all major sports, I think All-Star 
whatever events and weekends have really, really gone downhill. You know, the Pro Bowl is is the worst by far. I mean, they weren't even tackling this year in the Pro Bowl or anything. And I understand the injury aspect of it, but God, the Pro Bowl just sucks. Honestly, it's so bad. And then NBA All-Star is, I think it's good. And I think NHL All-Star is a little bit better. Um, And then I think MLB All-Star game, you know, probably just has to be the best because it's the, you know, most simulated, most realistic styled game where the players are just truly playing and we see what kind of goes down. Um, And we just really see a true game of All-Stars rather than the NBA. It's very relaxed, not a lot of defense, all that stuff. You know, MLB players are playing. Um, and the contact, you know, non-contact MLB sport or whatever, that's the aspect of them wanting to play harder or whatever. And that's great. But, you know, All-Star as a whole, I think, needs to kind of be reevaluated from a lot of these leagues and maybe see what they can change. Um, but that's just something very interesting that I kind of have seen in whatever, in the past month or two at the Pro Bowl, NHL All-Star and NBA All-Star. Just kind of disappointing, um, especially after growing up whatever, in the 2000s and 2010s, I felt like all-star games and everything were super exciting, especially in the NBA. The dunk contest was just incredible. You know, I went back and saw some clips of the 2016 dunk contest of Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, and my God, that was just an incredible dunk contest. Watching that back, almost every one of those dunks makes me, you know, jaw hit the floor, just incredible. Like, that was an amazing dunk. And I don't think I've seen that for years, unfortunately. So, you know, all in all, NBA All-Star Weekend was great, but All-Star as a whole across all major sports leagues, you know, that's gone pretty downhill, if I do say so myself. And then finally, the last topic today, I want to talk about kind of the conflict we saw this weekend in college basketball, because I'm going to talk a lot more about college basketball because we're approaching March, and we know what happens in March. And, you know, we saw Michigan playing Wisconsin this weekend in a game and Wisconsin ended up winning by I believe 15 or 16 but late in the game so you know something very interesting happened and if you didn't see this yourself late in the game Greg Gard is the head coach for Wisconsin Wisconsin had about a 15 point lead with I believe it was either single digit seconds left or you know 10 to 20 seconds left in the game there was not much at all but Wisconsin had this big lead, but Juwan Howard and Michigan were still pressing them, and Wisconsin had their backups in. And this is from Greg Gard's point of view. He said that he he even called a timeout with, you know, 10 seconds left and they're up by 15 or whatever it is, because Michigan was about to force a turnover because, uh, you know, the backups for Wisconsin couldn't break the press. And, you know, Greg Gard had a timeout, and he's within his rights as a coach to use the timeout before the game's over. Except calling this timeout up by that many points with such or so few or you know such so few time left or such little time left on the clock caused Juwan Howard to get pissed off, and the game ended. But Juwan Howard didn't lead his team in handshakes. He was way back, you know, five to ten players deep in the line after all of the coaches had shaken or shaken their team's hands, and. Greg Gard gets halfway through the Michigan lineup of shaking hands. Juwan Howard then comes up to him. Juwan Howard refuses to shake Greg Gard's hand. And Greg Gard is, you know, definitely taken off a bit. 
he's a little bit confused, a little bit upset because of, you know, he, Juwan Howard's not showing him the sportsmanship of shaking his hand. So guard kind of grabs Juwan Howard's elbow a little bit and questions, why are you not shaking my hand? And before they even uh, interacted with each other, Juwan Howard immediately looked at Greg Gard and said, I'll remember that, talking about the timeout late in the game. And once then Greg Gard grabbed his elbow and was kind of like, what are you talking about? Juwan Howard got very upset and started pointing at him. He kind of grabbed his shirt a little bit almost. And, you know, Juwan Howard was clearly pissed off and frustrated. And then this is when some assistant coaches kind of got in the middle of it. Players got a little bit involved. Interestingly, Greg Gard just fizzled out of the entire crowd and wasn't even there. But then Juwan Howard comes back into the little, whatever you want, argument going on. And then he kind of overhand hits. I wouldn't say he didn't punch him because it wasn't a closed fist. It was an open hand slap hit, but it was over his head and he hit one of the coaches, assistant coaches for Wisconsin in the head or in the face. And then this sparked almost a, you know, a mini brawl. Players were starting to throw some punches. Stuff was really going down, but this was all the result of the head coach of Michigan basketball, you know, either being too butthurt to shake the, you know, opposing coach's hands team in a handshake line because he was just upset about them losing or whatever it was. But the actions exhibited by what's supposed to be a head coach of a very respectable and prestigious university are inexcusable. And people were lighting Juwan Howard up on social media about this. And I am fully in the, you know, I am on Greg Gard's team on this whole thing. You know, if he wants to take a timeout when they're up 15 left, sure, that might be a rude thing or class, you know, classless thing to do. He is within his right to do that. And I saw people on social media talking about how Greg Gard grabbed Juwan Howard and Juwan Howard was then responding to the escalation of Greg Gard. And that's the most ridiculous thing ever because you look at the, the replay of it and Greg Gard is simply grabbing Juwan Howard's elbow as if he was going to shake his hand like he did thousands or I don't know about thousands, but tens and hundreds of other times when he's shaken other head coaches' hands, excuse me, in handshake lines at the end of the game. And then I also saw a video on social media of the numerous times Wisconsin and Greg Gard have played Juwan Howard in Michigan in the past. They are friendly with each other. They're conversing. After the game, if they maybe are a little bit you know, heated or argumentative, they talk through what's kind of going on. They're shaking each other's hands. Greg Gard is grabbing Juwan Howard's elbow as he shakes his hand. So all of the things that happened were very reasonable and normal from Greg Gard. And Juwan Howard couldn't cool his temper. We've seen last year Juwan Howard was ejected for trying to basically start another fight last year. Um, and he didn't actually hit anybody last year compared to this year. But, see, you know, clearly something's up with Juwan Howard, and he deserves all of the blame for what happened in this. You know, it shouldn't be Greg Gard shouldn't have called a timeout or whatever. It's like whether or not he should or shouldn't have called a timeout, he, that is, you know, he is allowed to. It's not against the rules. It is not, a, you know, you aren't allowed to hit someone in the head as a head coach because you're upset with somebody. That's just not a thing. It's almost like Bo or, uh, Bobby Knight, you know, choking a player, whatever it is, throwing the chair. You're just not allowed to do that type of a thing. And it's inexcusable when you're the head coach, at least if you're a player, you're a kid, you're a 18 year old or a 19 year old kid losing their temper. You're not a grown adult doing something childish and immature and stupid. So I believe Juwan Howard, I don't know if he deserves to get fired. That might be a little bit too harsh, but he deserves to be suspended 
you know, I think it should be the rest of the season. Uh, you know, he should be almost indefinitely suspended. But, you know, I saw that the Big Ten is going to, you know, hand out their own uh, consequences and rulings or whatever later today. Um, but I think Michigan should take the matters into their own hands also and suspend him. But this was a ridiculous showing for Juwan Howard and for Michigan basketball. Not a good look at all for them. And it's pretty embarrassing. Um, and all in all, Wisconsin had a great game and outplayed Michigan. And the biggest storyline of the day was Juwan Howard hitting a uh, Wisconsin assistant coach in the head. Um, but, you know, this was an exciting thing to watch. You know, we got a little little scrap, a little scrum. The hockey fan in me loves seeing a little conflict or whatever. Um, but the way it kind of went down, like it wasn't, you know, people in the intensity of a game or whatever. It was a coach being butthurt towards a different coach and not being able to control his temper and hitting another grown man in the head because he was whatever. So, you know, all in all, John Howard is just pretty stupid for doing what he did. Um, he just lost his temper. And I really wanted to talk about this because it was, you know, all over social media yesterday. People are talking about it a lot today. And we'll see what happens over the next couple of days. The suspensions and stuff like that are handed out. Um, and this is also kind of the first college basketball stuff I really wanted to talk about. And I know I'm not talking a whole lot about the game itself, um, but this was the biggest thing that happened this weekend. And as we approach March Madness, I said it in the past, I'll definitely be talking more about college basketball, and I'm very excited to talk about that. And as we get into the second half of the NBA season, I'm going to do a lot more stuff about, you know, kind of the analytical, my opinion about stuff, where I see the playoffs working, or sorry, how I see the playoffs shaking out, the seeding, all of that good stuff. I'm also going to do all that with the NHL, too, as we kind of come down the stretch of both of those seasons. Um, and I'll do a lot of college basketball with March Madness coming up. So, you know, those were really the three main things I wanted to talk about today. Just kind of a brief Super Bowl recap, NBA All-Star Weekend, and then that big incident in college basketball this weekend. But be on the lookout for something again later this week. Uh, I should have some more NBA and NHL stuff coming out, as I said. And I just hope everyone has a great week. And... Yeah, I hope you enjoyed. So thank you. I appreciate all the support.